because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be at the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious, loving God, be with us as we receive your word. Be in our hearts and be in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm happy to be here and grateful for the invitation. Um, it's wonderful to be in your beautiful space. And I hope that many of you are familiar with this story. Those of us who grew up in churches probably remember the children's song about Zacchaeus up in the tree. Some of the kids even uh, remember the story right away this morning. Um, and it stands out. I think it's the only story of tree climbing in the Bible. A rich tax collector, we are told, climbs a tree because he wants to see Jesus. It would be pretty odd to see somebody with wealth and a position of power climbing a tree to get a better view of an interesting person coming through town. Can you imagine Jeff Bezos climbing a tree in Wright Park to see a radical preacher? Zacchaeus is not just a super rich man, he's the chief tax collector. So I already had some sense that tax collectors were part of the oppressive colonial system during the, this time of the New Testament, but I spent some additional time learning more about the role of tax collectors as I prepared for this sermon. According to Ched Myers, a theologian and New Testament scholar, the tax collectors referred to in the New Testament were local Jews employed by the Roman colonial occupiers to do something called tax farming. In this system, the tax farmer paid Rome its money in advance and then had to make it up by extracting commissions on taxes. So since the poor people had no idea what sort of financial arrangement had been negotiated by the tax collector, they were completely at mercy of whatever he charged. These tax collectors were extortionists. They were rejected by their communities, viewed as traitors. They were from among the Jewish people, but serving Rome, part of this colonial system of abuse of the poor peasants. And Zacchaeus is chief tax collector, so likely at the top, gaining even more than other tax collectors. Definitely despised. We probably know a little something about systems of injustice that strategically advantage those at the top. Not much different than some of the systems we find ourselves in. An irony of all ironies, Zacchaeus' name actually means pure and innocent. So it's no wonder that the crowds grumble when Jesus invites him to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. 
And the grumbling here is also a funny word that means like the buzzing of bees, murmuring. It's like an onomatopoeia in the Greek language. So it's a definite uh, strong word about the grumbling that they were doing. Not only do they despise this man, they are at his mercy for taxes. They know he's defrauding them and making money off of them. If I noticed this tax collector up in a tree and I was a follower of Jesus, I'd want Jesus to rail about the system of injustice that this tax collector is part of. This horrible system, making the poor poorer and the rich richer, I would definitely be grumbling. And as I read the text again, I'm reminded that Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Like Mark said, he wasn't hiding out away from the crowds. He really wanted to see. Was he just curious about the crowds following this rabble-rousing peasant? Or was he concerned? Maybe he had heard that this teacher was critiquing the empire and calling out rich people. Maybe he also had heard that Jesus was offering healing, reconnection to people who had been rejected from the community. Luke's gospel contains several stories of Jesus pointing out the problems of wealth and injustice, and over and over again shows grace, inclusion, and love. In the Luke story sequence in the chapter 18 ahead of our text today, there is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector praying. The Pharisee says, Thank you, God, that I'm not like the robbers and the evildoers, especially terrible people like this tax collector. And the tax collector knows he is a sinner. He asks God for mercy. Jesus ends that parable by saying, The one who acknowledges his sin and asks for mercy, the tax collector, he is the one who is justified. Then we have the story of the rich young ruler who asks Jesus, what can I do to receive eternal life? Jesus tells him, give away all that you have and be poor. And we understand that the wealthy young man walked away sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus gives the cryptic suggestion that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. But then ends by saying, all is possible with God. And right before Zacchaeus enters, um, when he's entering, when Jesus is entering Jericho, right ahead of our Zacchaeus story, there's a story about Jesus healing a blind man, a beggar, on the side of the road. So these two stories are put together to point out two very different realities. We have a blind man sitting down on the side of the road, unable to see what's going on. He asks people what's happening. They tell him about Jesus passing by, and he calls out and begs for mercy. And Jesus grants him healing, and the man can see, and the crowd rejoices with him. Then we have the Zacchaeus story, a wealthy man up in a tree called down by Jesus. Not called out, but called down onto the same level, into the community. The blind man sitting, giving healing, is able to rise and follow Jesus from the level of begging to the level of the community. He's offered restoration, one who could continue to work or participate in daily life now. And then at the end of the Zacchaeus story, after he is called down, he is counted as a son of Abraham, reconnecting him to his Jewish community. But we still have this crowd. The crowd rejoices with restoration of sight to the beggar, but grumbles when Jesus offers an invitation to table with Zacchaeus. 
Community restoration will take some action from Zacchaeus. The story shows us this might be possible. Jesus wants to restore, and that unearned gift of grace could prompt real reconnection. Jesus gives this invitation, a very radical thing to do, and then we hear that Zacchaeus actually responds joyfully. This is a bit surprising if this is a hardened tax collector hiding in the tree and focused on increasing his wealth. So I'm left wondering, is Zacchaeus maybe more like me than I realize? Someone caught up in a system that he knows is wrong, a system he benefits from daily, something he struggles to know what to do right with? Like the tax collector in the parable about prayer, does he already acknowledge his sinfulness and want mercy from this traveling teacher offering a new way of life? The story shifts for me when I see myself as Zacchaeus and not just one of the grumbling crowd. If Zacchaeus feels caught up in a system of injustice, maybe he's put himself up in the tree seeking Jesus, seeking mercy, seeking restoration. And when Jesus calls him down, I understand he might feel called out. He might be caught off guard, and there might be a sudden conversion. Or maybe he's feeling defensive, wanting to prove that he is okay. And we can learn from this too. For those of us with some privilege and on a global scale wealth, most of us are trying to do the right thing, trying to follow Jesus, trying to do justice even though we feel trapped in systems and settings where that feels impossible, knowing what we do know about where our food and clothing comes from, how the earth is suffering when we drive our cars and fly in airplanes. We know we are caught in systems of injustice, and unfortunately, we participate in perpetuating these problems. So if we interrogate our own feelings of defensiveness, usually they come from a place of good intent. Frequently, defensiveness also stems from a desire to be seen as doing the right thing, to be noticed, to be given a gold star for being one of the good ones. So in our story, Jesus does not point out all of the wrongs Zacchaeus has done, but he also does not give him a gold star for trying to do better or doing okay. He does give unearned grace available to all of us, and just maybe it does prompt radical change, the kind Zacchaeus says he's willing to make. The grace offered by Jesus to Zacchaeus is the invitation to all of us. Blind beggars by the side of the road, widows and peasants, prostitutes and Pharisees, tax collectors, rich young rulers, and normal everyday people like most of us. All are included. All are given mercy, healing, welcome. Jesus even invites him to a meal and to continuing connection. Not a simple forgiveness, but a call into, calling down into relationship. The next thing they do, we, we understand, is to go have a meal together and have a conversation. And then that part of me still wants to grumble. I'm a bit annoyed that Jesus is so free with his grace to someone who seems to be exploiting poor people. Jesus didn't turn him into a lesson about injustice, and I'm frustrated. I want to join in the grumbling. I hope that Zacchaeus' suggestion that he will repay back multiple times over anything defrauded and give half of his property to the poor, but I find myself a little skeptical. 
maybe because I also know how hard it is to participate in this radical call, not just to give a little when it feels easy and comfortable, but to really lean into the call to reparations, find ways to really change systems. And if I can get over my annoyance and skepticism, I can be grateful. Grateful that Jesus calls Zacchaeus down, models this calling in by suggesting they eat a meal together. God's grace is so wide and so free for all of us, especially those of us who don't deserve gold stars for doing the right thing all of the time, and those of us who might feel somewhat defensive, those of us really struggling each day, and those of us wanting to change and start a new life. So we can be like Zacchaeus, receiving this invitation with joy, happily going along with Jesus' radical invitation to this upside-down kingdom, enjoying a meal together, knowing things could be radically different. A better way is possible if we are able to rethink everything and follow the way of love. We can receive that invitation of grace and allow it to change us. We can act for justice, pay reparations, participate in bringing about a better world. We can join the crowd rejoicing with restoration of sight and restoration of Zacchaeus to the community. Celebrating All Saints Day reminds me that God meets us, saints and sinners, despite our contradictions and makes good out of all of our messy lives. All of us, even the best of us, are in need of unimaginable mercy and forgiveness. As Christians, we are a community of forgiven sinners, not perfect saints. But believers and followers of the way, continuously transformed by the gifts of God's grace. As the lyrics of the song we sang suggest, we are able to come as we are, all of us, sinners and saints, brokenhearted and grieving, Come to the table and taste the grace. Receiving that invitation of Jesus, that wide, unearned, free-flowing gift of grace that is healing and balm for those who are grieving, rest for the weary and brokenhearted, that wild and radical, unearned grace that prompts real justice. So as we honor the lives of those who have died, complicated saints and sinners like all of us, we know that God's free-flowing, radical gift of love includes everyone. May this beautiful gift of grace remind us that all who have died are included in God's love. All who are suffering, grieving, and feeling broken are held in God's loving embrace. May we know that we are all granted mercy and forgiveness wherever we may be in the daily struggle. May we feel Jesus' invitation whether we are in need of unearned grace that prompts action and change or grace that allows healing and rest. May that grace bless us with free-flowing love to share with others, rejoicing as the gifts of grace are given to all. Amen.